Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, where food bloggers come to get their fill of the latest tips, tricks, and insight into the world of food blogging. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll provide you with the tools you need to add value to your blog, and we'll also ensure you're taking care of yourself because food blogging is a demanding job. Now, please welcome your host, Megan Porta. Food bloggers, don't forget to check out the food blogging forum style community that we started over at forum.eatblogtalk.com. Finally, there's one place that we can all convene and talk and that isn't scattered all over Facebook. Here are the things that I am loving about it. It is free. It also allows for categorized discussions on all food blogging topics And there's a category for sharing successes, aka self-promotion. So no more holding back about discussing your big wins and things that you're promoting. Also, everything is in one single spot. So no hopping around from group to group. And there's an amazing opportunity to network and really get to know your fellow food bloggers in a single place. So come join the discussions that are going on over at forum.eatblogtalk.com. And I hope you enjoy this as much as I do. Don't forget forum.eatblogtalk.com. As food bloggers, we want the best, most robust tools that can help us improve our ranking with Google. SEMrush is the way to go. It is an all-in-one marketing toolkit for those of you wanting to analyze SEO, get ideas for gaining more organic traffic, discover market insights, and reveal competitors' metrics. I have been using SEMrush for my own blog and have seen steady growth in my organic traffic. The tools and features offered inside are powerful and they work. Get a 14-day free trial with SEMrush when you use my affiliate link. Visit eatblogtalk.com forward slash resources to grab your link. SEMrush, the powerful tool that will change your SEO game. Hello, food bloggers. Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, the podcast made for you. Today, I will be chatting with Taryn Soli from Hot Pan Kitchen, and we will be talking about what you should know before you go into a food blogging conference. Taryn is the content creator, food photographer, and recipe developer behind Hot Pan Kitchen, a gluten-free recipe blog that focuses on mostly real foods with some treats thrown in. She shoots photography for brands, bloggers, and restaurants, and she has been creating content for about two years, which puts her in a sweet spot where she has some experience, but she also remembers what it was like getting started. So she wants to impart the lessons she has learned in order to help bloggers take the leap into their own new experiences. Hey, Taryn, it's great to have you on the show for the second time. I I love having, I know, I love having repeat guests on the show and I'm excited for our chat today. But before we dive into it, give us another fun fact about yourself. Well, I'm happy to be back. It's so fun chatting with you. Quick fun fact, I am from the Seattle area. And you would think being from Seattle, uh, I would love coffee, but I love the smell of it, but I can't drink it. It just, it does not sit well with me. It makes me jittery. So um, I drink tea instead of coffee. So you smell the coffee and then drink the tea. I like it. (laughs) Okay. Now let's talk about this because this is a very relevant topic. Talking about food blogging conferences and kind of what to expect from all the way from planning to getting home afterward and everything in between from an attendee's perspective, because you and I have both been to food blogging conferences, and I know that you've been to a handful, and I consider you to be an expert in this realm. As you and I both know, going into the first one can be super scary and overwhelming. So my main goal for our chat today is just to inform food bloggers who are heading to a conference for the first or even second time, and also to help calm nerves about it. And going beyond calming nerves, pumping people up about it because it's awesome. Food blog con- Food blogging conferences are amazing. They are fun and they're also necessary for growth in our businesses. Yes. So let's dive right into this. How does one even decide which conference to go to? Because I know there are a handful of really good ones out there. And how do we determine what is a good fit for us? 
any food blogging conference, I think it's going to serve you well. If you're a food blogger and there's a specific food blogging conference out there, then you're likely to get something out of it, right? Like that you're not going to go to a conference and just get nothing out of it because there's just, they're so helpful. And so I think for me, what it boils down to is what fits in your time frame? What fits in your budget? Do you know anyone who's going? Like, have you had, have you heard feedback about conferences? All of those things are things to take into consideration. Yeah. And location too. I think like starting out, if you haven't been to one, maybe just scope some out that are within driving distance and starting there. If it's like a really scary, overwhelming thought that I can't afford that, or I couldn't possibly get on a plane to go across the country, just starting with what's around you. Yes. Maybe going from there. And there's a lot of smaller conferences and some of them might not even be food blogging, but like influencer or what is that word camp, I think, which is kind of like a WordPress type. They have local ones and I've heard that they're really good. There actually was one in Seattle just a couple of weeks ago. And they're, they're a lot of the time, I feel like conferences can be during the week. And if you're blogging, if you're not blogging full time, that can be difficult. I know that there are several and I believe WordCamp is one of them where um, they happen on the weekend. So it might be a little bit easier for you to get to. So I mean, that's just one more thing to keep in mind, right? Like, what is your schedule? What's going to work for you? Yeah, I like that you brought that up because I wasn't even going to talk about that. But what a great idea to not even just look specifically for food blogging to start but just general, like what are what skills are you hoping to refine that relate to food blogging? And there are also a ton of entrepreneurial, just general entrepreneurial blogging or conferences as well. So you can go and just meet people who are in the world, not necessarily niching in food blogging, but who are venturing out on their own and starting their own businesses. So that's a really good place to start. And what a great recommendation. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. And I think too, I mean, some of that can even be beneficial to start there. I mean, that food blogging conferences are great. The ones I've been to have been amazing. The benefit, I think, of doing one that is still like in your not in your niche, but that's still going to benefit you is that you're going to expand your circle, right? Like you're going, you're going to learn things from other perspectives that maybe you hadn't thought of. Um, there could be, you could be broadening your audience that way. You know, I mean, I know net like networking is a huge aspect of it and I think we're going to get into that, but, but it can really help you just kind of broaden your horizons. Yeah, I totally agree with that. You really can't go wrong with networking. Any opportunity you get as a food blogger, and I think people just starting out really need to hear this, you absolutely have to network any chance you can get because, I mean, there's just so much value in it. And you see that as you go, how it kind of gains momentum and it's like the snowball rolling down the hill that gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And when you get to the end, you're just this massive snowball because... There's just, I can't say that enough. There's so much value in that. So starting somewhere nearby is is great. I like that. So a conference has been chosen as a good fit. Let's say someone picks a food blogging conference specifically. Now, Taryn, walk us through some logistics that we need to think about next. Well, I think, I mean, the first things obviously are how are you going to get there? <laughs> <laughs> do you need to fly? Can you drive? Are you lucky enough to walk? Um, and then also where, you know, where are you going to stay? And a lot of conferences will have room blocks or hotel blocks. And so that can be really great. The first conference that I went to was Foodie Boot Camp, which was in Salt Lake City when it was kind of by itself. Now it's associated with everything food conference. I, you know, I had to get a flight. And then I also ended up totally did an Airbnb and I shared it with somebody. I had no idea who they were, <laughs> and I, which is, I mean, that's, it's a little bit of a leap of faith, but, and I have, I actually did that again when I attended Tastemaker this year, it was honestly one of the best things I did because you really, I mean, obviously when you're like living with someone or staying with someone, you really get to know them and then you can, you know, you can, kind of decompress together and like process the day together and like what did what did they really learn that was a big takeaway what did you really learn that was a big takeaway and what was particularly helpful helpful for me is it just so happened that I ended up staying with bloggers who were more experienced than me so they were really able to like lend some (laughs) you know life lessons or you know blogging lessons I you know I still talk to them you know, to this day. So, and one of them actually just won a Savour Award, which is so funny. Oh, yeah. cool. So anyway, so it just, it, like that, if you're comfortable doing that, I cannot recommend it strongly enough. 
I 100% agree with that. I have a blogger friend here in the cities. We don't, we've gotten together a handful of times, but we didn't like really know each other that well. But we both kind of went out on a limb and we were like, hey, let's stay together at Tastemaker this year. And I knew it would be fine because she's awesome and I followed her for a while. But it like really strengthened our relationship, I think. And now, I mean, I was her cheerleader before and I really just like want the best for her. And But now, since then, since staying with her in that close proximity and like you said, decompressing after and kind of processing what happened, what we learned, it really has strengthened our blogging friendship and just like personal friendship too. So I think that's very worthwhile to consider, even though it's very scary. It can be, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So how do you recommend finding people who are up for staying with a stranger? Well, the ways that I've seen it done is usually there's like a Facebook group that's associated with the conference, or there are food blogging Facebook groups or someone that's like, is anyone going to XYZ conference? You know, you see those posts a lot, at least I do. And if I don't, I will post. <laughs> like at Tastemaker, there was somebody who posted in the Tastemaker conference group and was like, I got an Airbnb. It has this many spots. Let me know if you're interested. And I was like, yep, sign me up, you know? And then for my first one, um, I think, I don't know if there was a specific Facebook group or if it was a general Facebook group, but I mean, but that's how I found those, both of them. And it was, you know, you could see the person who was posting, you could see that they had a legitimate site. You you know what I mean? So like, it wasn't just some like super, super random person who I'd never seen their face before. Cause that, it is, it's a little, it's a little weird. You know, you're exchanging money. It's, it's, a, it's it can be a little uncomfortable, but it was so worth it. <laughs> okay. As a general rule, I think food bloggers are just really like good people and have great intentions. And obviously, there are going to be exceptions because there's exceptions to every single rule in the world. But as a general rule, I think you really can't go too wrong. And if you follow someone anyway on social media, you get an idea, you get a feel for what kind of person they are, if they're trustworthy, if they're going to do something shady, you probably aren't following them anyway. So just following your intuition and maybe not staying with like the first person who you've never heard of, you know, just kind of following your gut on that. Right. And I think too, there's ways, you know, like if you're not comfortable with staying with somebody and not everyone is, and that's totally fine. There's other ways to like get to know people through logistics, right? Like you could see who's arriving at the airport at the same time and like who can share an Uber or who can share an Uber back to the airport or like who's going to go out for dinner. Like like for me, I'm a gluten, I'm gluten-free. That's how I eat. And I could, you know, there's gluten-free Facebook groups or I could just post in a regular Facebook group and say, you know, who's also gluten-free that wants to go out to dinner on this night because I'm going to probably have different requirements for a restaurant than maybe some other people. There's ways to like we talked about networking, right? There's ways to network and really not even network, but connect with others through things you're going to need to do anyway. And I think Facebook groups for the specific conference that you're going to are a really great way to kind of initiate that thinking. So we mentioned hotel. Airbnb is a great one. I stayed in Airbnb in Portland and it was amazing. Most people are familiar with Uber and Lyft, but is there anything else we need to know about like getting around? Should we rent a car? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I think it depends on... um, how like far away the airport is and when you are coming in and coming out. Like I know everything food conference is the conference center is a little ways away from the airport. And so there are people who rent cars and then we'll share them with people. Something else to consider. And I did not know this going in, but typically at food conferences, there is so much swag and which is great, but then you don't have room for it in your suitcase or you have to like, it's swag. That's like, like, for example, I had a thing of like jam or jelly or something. You can't take that as a carry on. And so like (laughs) I had to throw away this jam I was really excited about. Those are like, as we're talking about logistics, um, that just kind of popped in my mind is need to think about, look and see what or talk to somebody who's been to the conference before, you know, see what kind of swag you might get and then plan out like, am I going, maybe I carry on on the way there, but I check my bag on the way back. 
so I can, you know, and I've done that before because I, I took home a knife. And so like, it was really <laughs> nice, chef's knife, but obviously I cannot carry that on. <laughs> also to kind of go along with that, leave room in your suitcase. So like, you know, use a bigger suitcase and try to leave some room so you can like really squish things in because pr- I promise you will come home with a bulging suitcase. Yes, you really will. It's really amazing how much stuff you get. <laughs> yes. Okay. So that's great. So back to rides. So ride shares is a great option. And then maybe you could also utilize those Facebook groups for conferences to see if anyone is arriving at the same time. Do you guys want to catch a ride or share an Uber? Uh, I think that's a good way to get to know people without investing like, you know, in a hotel stay if you don't want to go that route. And by the way, I'm an introvert, so I get it. Staying with someone else is great, but I did not do that my first few times because I I knew I would need my downtime and we'll talk about that in a little bit. And I'm really glad that I went that route because I did need that downtime. But I think as you get into it, maybe if you have a few under your belt, then maybe start thinking about sharing a room with somebody. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just what anyone is comfortable with, right? Like the Airbnbs that I've done, we each have our separate rooms. And so you have, you know, because it's not like a hotel room, it's like apartment, essentially. And so you still have your separate space, but you can all kind of like come together. And it's really, it's just, it's just what you're comfortable with. I think that's a good point too. Like staying in a hotel room is far different yes. than staying in an Airbnb because you can retreat to a bedroom yes. and be by yourself as much as you want. But being in a hotel room, you're like, you're there. That that person is there. There's no there's no private space. Right. Yeah, <laughs> so. it, it's definitely different. And I, I would say like sharing a hotel room with somebody your very first time, like I would definitely be intimidated by that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Agreed. Airbnb is the way to go. I think at least in Portland, we found so many more affordable options than the hotel for sure. Oh Oh, yeah. Like within very close proximity. So our rides to the conference were like, um, I think we were a mile or a mile and a half away. So it was a really quick ride, a really cheap ride. And they were like the hotel or the Airbnb itself was a fraction of the price of the hotel. Yeah, same here. We stayed at an Airbnb that was, we walked, we walked to and from the conference. It was that close. And it was, I mean, it was a like less than a mile, but, um, you know, a decent walk, but still, I mean, it was, yeah, it was definitely the way to go. So this next little bit will speak mainly to the women. I don't know, maybe the men too, but talk to us about this very important de- decision revolving around what to wear. <laughs> Right. That's like the most important decision, right? Of course. (laughs) So, I mean, I think it depends. For me, the first rule is where you're going to be comfortable in, right? So, and not like maybe your pajamas, (laughs) even though we're all in pajamas. (laughs) Not that comfortable. (laughs) Not that comfortable. You know, I really think that when, if you're going into what may be potentially an uncomfortable situation for you, make sure you at least are going to like feel comfortable in your clothing or even better wear something that makes you feel like confident and fun. And you know, like that really makes you feel good because then you're going to portray that to everyone that you meet. I love that. So comfort, but also feeling fabulous. Like you really do want to have a, that self-confidence boost, I think, going into it. And I think too, like a lot of like the basic rules come into play, right? Like check the weather. What's the weather going to be like when you're there? Scope out the website because a lot of the websites will say like, we're going to have a cocktail hour. So you may want to dress a little more upscale or however they're going to word it. And then again, Facebook groups are such a wealth of information. You know, you can search for the conference and there's a lot of times somebody has already asked the question, what should I wear to XYZ conference? And you'll be able to see a whole host of answers or look at um, Instagram and you can look and see what people were wearing. And so if you're worried about like overdressing or underdressing or look like hashtags, a lot of conferences use hashtags too. So you can look and see what people have worn and kind of like tailor, if you're worried about that and tailor what you're wearing to that, you know, style of dress. Also, I always do on at least one of the days, just a nice pair of jeans, a nice top and comfortable shoes that are, that I don't, I'm really short, so I always like to feel a little bit taller. So I always wear like heels, but yeah, just something that looks really nice. Nothing that is going to make you feel like you're 
lounging at home, but you don't want to be like all decked out like you're going to an amazing ball. Right. And I think too, it depends on the conference a little bit because like, so the first one I went to foodie bootcamp was really almost more of a workshop. And so we were like, I was taking pictures for a full day and then uh, really almost for two full days. I dressed down a little more because I needed to be really comfortable to, and, you know, and I were, was wearing, you know, neutral colors and, you know, I didn't want to like reflect onto my food. And so, and I know several conferences have, will have like workshop days that you can pay to attend prior to the conference. And so you, you know, think about that. Think, like, am I, am I doing a workshop the day before the conference where I really am probably going to be in maybe like my black leggings and a black shirt so that, I'm completely neutral if I'm taking photographs, you know. I'm really glad you brought that up because I didn't even think to cover that. But yeah, if you're going to be moving around and if it's more of a workshop style or if there's a workshop involved within the conference that you know you're going to be involved in, yeah, you want to be comfortable. Maybe like a tight pair of jeans and high heel shoes wouldn't be ideal. So um, just consider all of that. That is a lot to consider, but bring some options <laughs> yes. too. And you can kind of feel it out like day one, go nicer than you think. And then feel out what other people are doing, what's comfortable. And then in addition to bringing those comfortable clothes and that make us feel fabulous, obviously, what are some other things that we should be thinking about? But what about like specifically for the conference? I think one of the things that I had not thought about at all that I was like, oh, I really should have brought these or made these was business cards, particularly if you're going to a conference where brands are also going to be or other people that you really want to connect with. So when I was at Tastemaker, one of the gals I was staying with had not brought business cards. And so she went and had them made at like a local print oh. shop. And like, wow. I know I was really, really impressed. And so she went and had them made at like overnight at a local print shop and picked them up the next day so that she could hand them out to brands. And I was like, Oh, wow, that's really dedicated. That um, is dedication right I there. Oh, I was so impressed. Um, but but when I went to my first conference, and I didn't really need it for my first one, because it was more of a workshop. But like for when I went to Tastemaker, I'm going to um, Everything Food uh, next in 2020. And for sure, like I will be bringing my business cards because there's a lot of brands there I am going to want to connect with. And that's really easy to hand stuff off. And I will say like, don't just like hand off your business card, like <laughs> try and, you know, make don't hand off your business card just to hand your business card to somebody like, or just to like get rid of them or what, you know, some people have that mindset. And so it's really more about like, you know, I and making connection with you. And I want you to remember me. And like, for me, I put my face on my business card because I want somebody to be like, Oh yeah, I talked to her. You know, I like people remember your face much more than they're going to remember like your blog name or just your name in general. When at the end of a conference, when you're looking through the little stack of business cards that you accumulate, because you will, you don't always remember. You're like, Oh, where, okay, now where did I meet that person? But if there was a picture to associate it, then that would make it much easier. Yes. I love that thinking. Yeah. That's great advice. And you do give a lot to brands, but you also give business cards to a lot of other food bloggers as ways to just support each other and connect. And I think that's a great way. I love what you said, Taryn, about just don't go there thinking, well, I'm going to give all these away. Go there, really establish a connection with a person or a brand and then give it away because what's the point if you're just you're just wasting money if you're just throwing business cards around. Yes, and I actually I heard um, while we're on the topic of business cards, I heard a networking or like a connection expert talk like on a just I think on again on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> and I was taking over the world. What she was saying that she does is she will hand someone a business card if they ask for it, but she doesn't hand it unless they ask for it, because to her, it can come across as, oh, like, oh, let me just give these away. Right. And I was like, oh, that's really, I mean, I don't necessarily agree with that all the time. But it, I just thought it was a really interesting concept of, you know, then it's like, you're not like forcing it on anyone. And you're like, they're, they're expressing genuine interest. And I was like, oh, okay, well, something interesting to think about. I kind of like that. Yeah, like, if someone really does want to know more about your business, they will ask you for information. If they don't, then they'll move on and that's fine. But yeah, that's kind of an interesting concept. I think the first few conferences I went to, it was more like 
(laughs) just handing out like, here's my card. Do you have one back? Just because, and then I got rid of so many, but really, I mean, the amount of relationships that I established based on that wasn't very plentiful. But now I feel like I do it much more like what you were saying. If I really like, oh, I, I love what you're writing about. I love your topic. I love your niche. Can I have your card? And then they'll usually reciprocate and say, yeah, do you have one too? Right. Yeah. There are a lot of places that you can get business cards from that are really affordable yes. these days. Yeah. I get mine from Moo, M-O-O.com. Yes. Mm-hmm. Do you use Moo too? I don't, but I've heard of it. You know, there's Moo and there's what, Vistaprint. You can do it. Just to print another one. The first, when I really needed business cards, um, because I was going out and canvassing um, when I was doing restaurant shoots, and I was like, oh, I really need some business cards for this. I just went to like um, Office Depot, and they were not like the best business cards, I will say, but they worked for what I needed. And for like my friend who I stayed with, who went and like 24 hour business cards, you know, the night of the first night of the conference, you know, like you just need something that works. And then, you know, if you can plan it out a little more and go to someplace like Moo or Vistaprint or, or wherever for something that, you know, when you're ready to um, have a, maybe a nicer looking one. And I do think when you're ready to have something that looks nicer, it really does represent you. Yeah. So invest, I mean, not invest, but like really put some thought into what you're putting on your card. Don't just throw a few pieces of text on there. I think put something that makes it unique. Like I love that you put your picture on yours. I do through Moo, you have the option of putting actual photos on one side and they they print really, really well. Oh, that's nice. Beautiful. So I have used them for years. They're very affordable. They're beautiful. They're really thick. Yeah. Highly recommend. I mean, not just necessarily moo, but just I highly recommend just getting something that you feel really good about that you're not like, oh, I don't want you to look at that, but that's my card. Like be confident in it if you have the time to do that and the resources to do it. Right. And I think too, like there's this <laughs> delving into business cards a little bit here, but um, like for me, I have the same thing. I have a one of my photos of food photos on the back of the card. And then on the front, I have like a little picture of my face and the like contact information and stuff, but it works, you know, because like I do freelance photography. And so it works both for like brand work or freelance photography work or for, you know, like it's kind of like an all purpose card. And so if you are in the same boat and you have maybe like multiple things that you do that kind of all relate to each other, you might want to think about, okay, well, do I really need separate cards for this that are a little more tailored? Or can I just go with one kind of like general purpose card? So in addition to those, what things should we be bringing to the conference? First, something to take notes in or notes with, I should say, right? So like that, maybe that's your computer. And I would, for most conferences, I would advocate bringing a computer for two reasons. One is it's, it can be nice to like pull things up right away when someone's talking like on the internet. Um, and two, you know, a lot of bloggers still do work <laughs> at night on conference nights, you know, or like in the airport or something like that. And so it can be really handy to have your computer for the downtime where you're like, Oh, I need to address this comment on one of my blog posts or whatever. I mean, whatever the case may be, I always feel more comfortable bringing my computer along. For sure. Totally agree with that. And there are a lot of sessions that talk about specifically diving into, I don't know, Google Analytics or something where you just couldn't take notes on that unless you went back through their notes. So it's really helpful this last time. I think you were in that session too, Taryn. Yes, I was. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Where I would have been totally lost. I would have had no idea what he was talking about. But thankfully, popped my computer open. I could follow along. And that really helped me remember it and retain it. Well, that too. And like, speaking of that session, like I had like a note taking app. I use Evernote. I don't know if you've heard of that. Oh, yes. Yes, I I have used that. Yeah. So I, I, and you could use the Google Doc too. I just happened to use Evernote that time. But I had Evernote open on like one section or like what, you know, half split screen or whatever. And then I had my Google Analytics open. And one thing I will say about using a computer is that like the guy who was talking was talking very fast and I was like scrambling to like type out notes and there's no way I could have done that if I was writing them like I I needed to have that like you know because you have like autocorrect and you have you know things so if I type something I can start just typing a word and it types out and I'm like okay let's go yes um, tab 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 yeah <laughs> um, so, I mean that is another benefit of, of bringing a computer yes I 
totally 100% agree. Yeah. What are your thoughts about bringing cameras? I have brought my camera to conferences in the past and I just never use them unless you're doing specifically a photo session or like a workshop. I personally feel like you don't necessarily need one. I mean, if you really want to and you're really into photography, but what are your thoughts on that? I agree with you. I think it it depends on if you're taking a workshop or not. Like, f- are you flying or are you driving? <laughs> you know, because cameras can be bulky and take up room. And so like for Tastemaker, you know, this past year it was held Portland and that is drivable distance for me. So I brought my camera and I brought it with me because I knew that there was going to be a couple of photography sessions where I really wanted to have it on me in case I needed it so I could get the most out of the session. You know, I don't know that I will bring it with me for everything food because I'm going to be flying and um, it just it depends on if I do a pre-conference workshop or not. But yeah, I think you just have to look and see like what are the sessions like, you know, what is the trade-off of bringing it versus not like it's going to take up all this space, but maybe I really do need it. It's just, it depends. Okay. What other things should we bring to the conference? So this one, (laughs) I would say, um, (laughs) this was kind of a funny one, like a water bottle, (laughs) you know, and some places have them and that's fine. Or you can just go get a drink somewhere. But I don't know. I always feel like I get so dehydrated (laughs) because talking to people and like you're walking around maybe more than you're used to. I brought a water bottle to Tastemaker and then I left it back at the Airbnb and I was like, gosh, darn it. I really wish I had it because I got really thirsty and you don't want to like, you don't want to feel dehydrated or gross or, you know, like you want to be energetic and, you know, drinking water is going to help you do that. You do a lot of work and it is amazing how thirsty and hungry you get. So that kind of leads us to snacks and every conference is different. And I know that being a food bloggers, we usually do get given a lot of snacks and drinks, but it's not a bad idea to be prepared and to have your own. So what do you think about bringing snacks? Yeah, I mean, for sure. For me, you know, I'm gluten free, right? And so like, I need to bring I bring snacks pretty much wherever I go, (laughs) because I never know like what I might or might not be able to eat. And so for those with food allergies, you know, they're, for the most part, used to that. But yeah, I would definitely recommend bringing, you know, like, more like higher protein snacks if that is like your deal because you're it's busy like you're it's just like constantly busy and they're usually you know they build in time for food and stuff but it's one of those things where you don't think it's going to be so taxing and it is and then all of a sudden you're like I am so hungry right now (laughs) and you need something you know to like help you like sustain through the day so I for sure I would definitely recommend bringing snacks you can never go wrong with extra snacks. And you don't have a yeah. ton, you know, but like I would definitely recommend bringing and obviously things that can go through TSA. <laughs> Sometimes I can get to a place like a conference or like a vacation or something and realize that I don't have any space on my phone. And then I'm like frantically deleting apps and oh, pictures really? and like moving. So that's just something to think about too. If you're constantly using all of your phone space before the conference, just f- make sure you have enough because you're going to want to take pictures. You might even add new apps because people are going to recommend like, hey, Marco Polo is the best. You should put it on your phone. So that's just something little to think about. Right. Or like Tastemaker had an app for the conference. So that, yes, that's a good point, actually. Yeah. So are did we miss anything, Taryn, on what to bring, like physical things that we should be bringing to the conference? You just be sensible about, you know, what you need on any trip. You will get a lot of swag. And that first day, at least at all the conferences I have attended, you're kind of required to carry all of that swag along with oh, you. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would consider bringing a comfortable backpack or something like a larger bag that's comfortable to lug around because if you have something small, it's just uncomfortable. Like if you have a purse and a bag and a backpack, I mean, don't bring it all because you're going to get a bag full of swag anyway. So try to minimize that. I heard so many people and not like we're complaining because we're so grateful to get that swag. It's awesome. Yes. But so many people were like, oh, my gosh, what do I do with all this stuff? And every time you move rooms or tables, you have to carry everything with you. It, I have like this huge purse that I always bring around. It's like, I mean, really, it's more like a laptop bag that is my purse. <laughs> and I keep those reusable tote bags, you know, like for the store. Oh, like the ones that's that you such can, a great like, idea. Up really small. 
Um, and so I always have those. And I, when you mentioned that, I was just thinking like, oh, I just put mine in my <laughs> reusable tote because a lot of the times there's like it's a lot of swag and you'll get a bag that goes with it. But the bag will start to overflow. <laughs> yeah. And so you need like something else. And it doesn't help to like have multiple bags, but it does help to have it bags to put stuff in so that you can then carry it back to your hotel room or wherever. So yeah. Also, if there is an option for early check-in the, the day before it starts, go do that so that you can like minimize some of that stuff because sometimes they'll have swag that you can pick up beforehand. They'll have a bag. Melissa from Mama Gourmet. Oh was, yeah. We went to Mediavine and she was like, let's go the day before. I'm like why? But she, she was totally smart. She's smarter than I am. Like, because it minimized the next day the stuff that we were carrying around. So that speaking of that, it just reminded me of something kind of like with the logistics going back here for a minute. So my first conference was so the one it was Salt Lake City. I got in so late and my flight left like after the conference was over, my flight left at like 4 a.m., which is really like 2 a.m. my time because it was, oh. yeah, I do not recommend doing that. <laughs> if you can, yeah. like, for me, it was about keeping it low cost. And I understand that like, like that's still a concern for me. And so and for everybody, really. So if that's necessary, like I totally get that. But if you can avoid it, I really recommend <laughs> fly, like getting, like you're saying, like getting in a day early or like having like a solid time to leave like not like right after the conference is over because it's it was so stressful for me and I got home and I was so insanely tired it took me days to recover yeah that's a that's a great point I mean it is tempting to well I'm gonna save $50 if I get this really strange time flight but honestly in the in the end it's in my opinion, not worth it because you're tired anyway. And we're going to talk about this in right now. Yeah. But, I mean, it's depleting as it is. So you don't need to add extra tiredness on top of it. It's just not worth it. If you can afford and, it, then I would recommend getting like decent flying in, flying and fly out times for sure. Before we talk about the aftermath, because I do, that is a term I use for it. <laughs> aftermath. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about what we can expect from the experience itself. Like what walking in, not knowing anyone and and not knowing what to expect at all. Give people who haven't done it a glimpse of that. I mean, for me particularly, it's a little nerve wracking. And I would say for most people, especially if it's your first time or you're going there and and, you know, maybe you don't know who's going to be there. And like I'm expecting that like for EFC, Like it's a huge conference and I know people are going to be there, but I know I'm going to walk in and it's going to be like, whoa, sea of people. And I don't know any of these people, you know, but I think the thing to keep in mind, and this is what I also try and tell myself is like 90% of the people there have that same experience. They're all going to, we're all going to walk in and be like, I don't see anyone I know, you know, that's normal and it's fine. And, you know, going back to what you said before, like, food bloggers are really nice people. Like we all are looking to connect and we're all looking to make friends and get to know people and learn and grow. You know, that's the point of going to a food blogging conference or any conference. And so it's, you know, if you're feeling that way, like just know it's normal. For me, the quicker I get to know somebody, the more comfortable I feel. And so I really like push myself to be like, oh, hi, I'm Terry. Where are you from? You know, I mean, like, and you don't have to, you don't have to just like go up to the first person you see, but you know, you, I'll go to like the check-in table and be like, oh, hi. And you know, I'll see somebody else checking in and be like, oh, where, you know, where are you staying? And, and that sort of thing, because yeah, those can be uncomfortable situations. I think remembering that everyone's in the same boat and everybody is nervous, even people who have been to many conferences, it's nerve wracking walking into, like you called it a sea of people because it can be like, Whoa, especially if like people are already sitting at tables and talking and have their own little groups that they formed. Like it is really scary and I get it. I am an introvert through and through. So walking into something like that, especially if I don't know anyone is like, oh my gosh, it it can produce a lot of fear. So just know if you are feeling that way that you are not alone. Most other people are feeling the same way. Yes. And there's two things with that. One, if you stay with somebody at an Airbnb, that is a direct way to combat that because you guys Absolutely. will go to the conference together, right? Or two, like if you're not and you're walking in by yourself, you can pretty much go up to any table and be like, hey, can I sit here? No one is going to be like, 
oh my god no you know <laughs> like you can sit with us you know mean girl style but like I mean unless the seat's already taken or something but you know everyone sure of course yeah or like oh no this seat's taken but that one's open or you know whatever you know everyone's so welcoming it's, you're gonna be fine we've mentioned before that you get really tired and you do need to expect a lot of networking. And one thing that I would suggest is even though I don't always do this because I get tired is going and sitting at different tables, like sitting at someone else's table is the easiest way to get to meet people. Right. So if you can go, if, if that's a goal for you and really it should, in my opinion, it should be a goal for everybody because that's where you start to really connect with others and you can really learn and grow is by meeting new people. And so maybe you just do it for one day and then you don't do it the next day or whatever, whatever's going to work for you. But I would highly suggest doing that so that you can really, you know, get to know as many people as possible. That's a great tip because we've all been to those conferences, maybe when we worked in a corporate job or wherever, where you didn't really want to be there. Like you went to a table and you sat there all day. You kind of found someone, maybe a friend you connected with something about and you stuck with them all day. And that really didn't benefit your networking. But at that point, maybe you weren't into networking. But like you said, Tara, networking should be a goal if you're going to a food blogging conference. So I like the idea of hopping around tables. I try to do that too. Even if you go with somebody, they are not going to be offended if you're like, I'm going to go chat with some other people. That is the whole point. So everybody's going to understand that. And really like I think everyone tries to do that yeah and even if you go with somebody like if you're you know staying with a friend or whatever like the two of you can go up to a table and that is a less a little less intimidating you know but that way you're both meeting new people you know so I mean and however you want to do it is fine but yeah meeting new people it can be practice for if there's brands at the conference because that to me is even like more intimidating is walking up to a brand and being like, Oh, hi, you know, I'm Taryn. Let me tell you about, you know, my blog and myself. And, you know, let's try and maybe form a partnership or relationship or tell me about you or whatever, you know, that can be more intimidating. And so maybe you practice by going up to tables and then you go for the brands, you know? Yeah, that's great too. So talk to us just a little bit about approaching a brand. What do you think is a good strategy for just like introducing yourself, maybe going up and asking, tell me a little bit about your business? Like what do you think we should start with? So I I have a little tidbit about this. So um, what I did, particularly for Tastemaker, is um, I researched the brands that were going to be there. And I make sure the ones that I thought might be a good fit for my business or or like my audience would be interested in. I made sure I was following them on Facebook and Instagram and I messaged them or emailed them and said, Hey, I'm going to be a tastemaker. I'd love to connect with you there. You know, I X, Y, Z connection, but you know, just a little blurb, you know, see you in September. And so that way I had, and maybe they didn't read it. I don't know, but you know, I mean, some of them don't, you know, some, or some of them, like yeah. it, it's like, you know, a PR agency or whatever, but, um, but you never know, but you never know. They might. And, yeah. and there were one or two who were like, Oh, so-and-so is going to be there. They'll look, they look forward to connecting with you. And so I already had, but like a touch point, right. With, with a brand. And so I could go up to that brand and be like, Oh, hi, I'm Taryn. Oh, I messaged you on social media. I think so-and-so replied and like, Oh, where's Jennifer or you, whoever, you know? So you have a, a specific touch point to reference and that, cause like I get anxiety. I think most people probably get a little anxiety, um, particularly with meeting new people. And, and also when you're talking to somebody who that might be like a business partnership. And so that really helps me to have a little bit of background instead of just like flat out, I, you know, I'm reaching you, reaching out to you for the first time, or I just met you. And even if you don't email, like research the brands that are going to be there, look at their social, look and see like, do they do collabs? Do, like, how often are, there, are they posting? Like, what does their website look like? Like, I am all about like doing the research to see if it's going to be a good fit for a potential partnership and also just to like understand more about the brand. And to have something just to, like you said, to touch on yeah. about like right off the bat. Hey, I was chatting with Jennifer. Or Is whatever. she here? Yeah. You know, hey, that's, yeah. a, that's a perfect thing. Yeah. Perfect way to start. That's not uncomfortable. I'm sure love knowing that you came in informed and the fact that you researched ahead of time and then 
yeah. But I, I would say too, to go along with talking to brands that they're just people too, and they're looking to make partnerships too. So it really try not to be intimidated by that because most of them, all of them, everyone I've met who sent a brand a representative has been so nice and they're, they want to get to know us too. That's why they're there. Yes. And I always like, I am again, like I'm a person who like, I need to like have a plan, right? Like I need to know, which is part of why I do the research beforehand so that I have like the background for it. And so like if they have a new product that they just launched or, you know, they're talking about a big push for the holiday season, or they just did a partnership with another brand or anything like that. Like those are little tidbits that like, like I have I mentioned Evernote, like I have Evernote on my phone as well. And so I will like make notes in my phone. And before I go talk to a brand, I will look at my notes and be like, Oh, yeah, I need to ask about that partnership they just did, just to get a conversation started, you know? That is so smart. I love that you you do that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Seriously, impressive. I love it. Okay, so kind of like, set the stage for what to expect going in. It's a lot. Be prepared to do a lot of talking. And just, you know, networking, not just with brands, but like with other food bloggers too. And don't be intimidated by food bloggers. If you see one that you've been following for five years and who has 9 million likes on Facebook, don't be intimidated. They're all approachable. I have yet to meet anyone who's been like, I'm sorry, I'm just like too good for you. I, that just doesn't happen in food blogging. You know what is so funny? Sorry to interrupt you, but you know what's so oh, funny? No, it's like, going, so no, a tastemaker, Michelle Tam was like the opening speaker, right? Yeah. And she is like, like, I love her. Like I followed her for several years. I have her cookbooks. And like my like biggest regret from tastemaker is not going up to her and being like, hi, it's so nice to meet. Do you know what I mean? And like, granted, she wasn't like an attendee like she was a speaker for a specific set of time but there were times where I probably could have gone up and been like you know I really admire your work and I didn't and I was like god dang it <laughs> I'm just, yeah she's so nice like why would I not have like it's not like she's gonna spit in my face you know? <laughs> like, like that is when I think about that I'm like I really should have done that because who doesn't want to hear how great someone thinks you are you know like everybody wants to hear that it's so true. And you don't want to go home with regret thinking like you have like, dang it, why didn't I do that? I had the opportunity and I didn't. And there is really only good that can come out of it. So just push past that fear that you have because it's probably not real anyway. And just network with everyone, no matter the level. And that also to kind of go along with that, if you are a bigger blogger and you happen to be listening, or if you've been doing this for a while, make sure to include those people who are just there and maybe there for the first time, maybe standing on the outskirts and look a little nervous. I always try to just say hi to people who look like extremely nervous because I've been that person too. And just like, hey, where are you from? Just try to be friendly. I mean, not that anyone's not going to be friendly, but right. But just think just, about it. Have it like have it be top of mind. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I mentioned that I'm an introvert. So going to events like this, I come home absolutely drained, and I've learned the hard way not to schedule a whole lot for a few days following a conference because. I need that downtime and my mental and physical health too suffers if I don't allow this for myself. So talk to us about the aftermath and what to expect. So, I mean, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head, right? Like I would say most people, especially if you're an introvert, you know, like, right. Extroverts tend to maybe get their energy from that association, but I also am an introvert and I think most food bloggers tend to be introverts, honestly. Um, you're spending like all day, like taking photographs and on your computer. So, you know, that's kind of introverted. If that is you, then yes, expect to be drained. It's a lot of talking, of putting yourself out there, of learning. I honestly, it reminded me of being back in college where I was like taking notes all the time and it's just so much information, you know, and it's great. Like it's it's so great, but it's a lot. And so you're, you need that time to like decompress and that can be hard. Like I have twins six year, they just turned six (laughs) this last week. Um, But yeah, I have twin six year old boys. And you know, when, when I come home, they're like, mommy, 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 you know, and I know that there's a lot of food bloggers who do have children and, or maybe you have like a whole herd of dogs who really want your attention. Same thing, right? As much as you can try and carve out that like decompression time and just 
yeah, you're going to need it. It is so true. It's like, I can't stress that enough because you think like, I'm superwoman, I'm, I'm amazing. And it's just smart, I think, to assume that you're going to be like, almost consider yourself to be sick. Like you need that sick day because if you try to push through, I found that I actually make myself sick if I try to push through. So what I do is I just chill. I kind of like after try to absorb what I've learned, maybe look through my notes, but I don't try to do any real work. I don't really dig in. I don't schedule like a video filming day. I don't do anything like really big. I'm really gentle with myself a few days after. And I that really pays off for me because it just can get really bad. But, you know, like maybe an extrovert would be totally opposite. Maybe they'd be like, yeah, and that's great. But I do think that a lot of us are introverts. So I thought that was worth pointing out too. Yeah. It's hard because even though I'm so tired, I'm also really stimulated and excited about all the things that I just learned, right? And I'm like, I want to implement all of these. Like I went to, yes. you know, oh, and yes. I, I went to um, an SEO retreat with Ty Kilgore, who he and his wife run EFC, right? And it, there was, that was like the most the most information I could have possibly processed in a day. It was like, oh my God, my brain was so tired. But I, w- I was so jazzed to like get home and like do all the things, you know, but like, I really, I tried to do that. And I just was like, womp, just dead. You know, you really do need that compression time, <laughs> decompression time. That's really good thing to point out too. I'm glad you mentioned that, Taryn, because you do get home yeah. just like, more pumped up than ever you're like you're like I can rule the world I'm gonna like (laughs) do all of this stuff tomorrow that I learned so you almost need to come up with a strategy like a post-conference strategy that you just stick to and like know that it's going to take weeks and weeks if not months to get through the information and like sort through it and process it and and like integrate it into your, you know, your business, you can't do it all the next day. And I know that we think we can, but just like, just know that you're going to come home with a head full of information and excitement. So just kind of sit on it a little bit. Um, What I did this time, which was kind of a new thing for me on the plane, I took all of my notes that I had handwritten Uh and I typed them so that they were fresh. Yeah, yeah. And I put them in my notes on my computer And some of it, like if I wouldn't have done that, I would have forgotten about them. Just the act of typing them, fresh, refresh them in my mind. And then that's what I refer to. I'm still referring to that months later. So I didn't get home this time and think, oh my gosh, I have to do all this before I forget it. Just write really good notes. And a lot of people actually provide notes and slides after. So if you need to refer to those, but like they're you know, you can always refer to those later. Well, and I too, like something I was thinking about and what I'm actually going to do for EFC because I didn't do this at Tastemaker and I wish I would have. And it kind of relates almost to what you're saying now is, you know, I'm taking notes mostly on my computer, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to like in a separate document, do a task list and I'm going to just have it open. So that way, like as I'm taking you know, cause like sometimes there's notes that you want to take, like just to remember or, but sometimes it's like, oh, this is an immediate action that I can take when I get home. And that's what I'm going to put on my task list so that I have like specific things that I know I can go back and reference like a day or two after I get back that are like, oh yeah, I really wanted to remember to do this. So it, it like breaks it down a little bit. Yeah. And almost having like creating tears, yeah. like an emergent task list and a can be done within a year task list and everything in between. Well, I think too, speaking of, so I wanted to be sure and say this, is um, like, if you're going to a conference with brands, like that is one thing that I follow up on. Like, that's the one thing I would say for me that if you're working with brands that like I follow up on like the next, like the next business day, because sometimes, you know, they end on like a Friday or a Saturday or something, you know, but like on like that Monday or Tuesday, I am emailing those brands saying it was so nice to meet you. You know, like what, what are your marketing goals for the next quarter? Or like, what are you doing, you know, in Q4 or whatever quarter you're looking at? Because you want to make sure they remember you. And if you wait too long, they're not going to remember you or like they, and they met like so many people, right? If you want to work with brands and there's a brand like you're really excited about connecting with further, then I would advocate, you know, getting it all in a spreadsheet for one or however you're, you're storing like your pitches, but, and then reaching out 
like as as soon as you're ready, as soon as you can. If you really do want to work with a brand, they're going to really appreciate if you reach out right away. It's just like a job interview. Like if you go to a job interview that you really want. It is a job interview. What are you going to Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are you going to do? The next day you're going to let them know that you really appreciated meeting them. You're going to tell them a few things that you remember. So that was great too. And then also to go along with that, keeping up with friends that you've networked with or new friends that you've met that maybe like you do gluten-free Taryn. So maybe if you met another blogger who also has a gluten-free blog that you want to collaborate with or just want to like get to know more, I think within the next week after a conference, it's really good to just like, you know, make sure you're following them on socials and maybe leave them a comment, send them an email. I think that's really good practice to get into yeah too. and you get like a lot like it's particularly a tastemaker i noticed that you know everyone like you have your phone out and you're like oh what's, what's your handle let's follow each other you know like this, like, like that's almost in, in place of business cards like that's kind of you know, some people do business cards some people just do a, like a, a follow and that can be like there's still people who i talk to well you i met you at tastemaker but um there's other people that i met who i'd never met before at tastemaker you know and we dm on instagram and you know one gal is you know promoting a video course and you know i mean just like all this sort of stuff and so it's just it's so beneficial to like keep that contact going so i thought it would be good to end with a story because I know that we both have walked into conferences feeling overwhelmed and scared and full of fear. So just to ease other people's minds going into this for their first time, um, sharing how scary it was for us and that it was all okay in the end. So yeah. do you have something to share? So I think for me, um, one yeah, right, it is. It's scary the first time. And for me, one thing that and this isn't, maybe this is more of a piece of advice than a story, but I have heard, I heard from actually my business coach, who's Nicole and Dan Culver, nervousness or anxiety and excitement tend to stem from the same place in the body. And so if you can do a mindset shift and think of your nervousness instead as excitement, that that can help you kind of like overcome that will overcome the nervousness, right? And turn and turn it into something that's a little more positive. Maybe that helps you then go and connect with somebody or, you know, walk up to that brand that you're really wanting to connect with. Say, you know, I'm not nervous about doing this. I'm excited about doing this. And that that actually really helped me um, at the last conference. What a great tip. It's almost like you're tricking yourself. Like, yeah, you're capitalizing on those butterflies that might be coming from fear, but you can just tell yourself this is not fear. This is excitement. Go for it. Okay. So Tastemaker, my first time, I was so afraid and I don't know why. Looking back, it was like ridiculous. But but you know, when you're in it, you just feel that and fear is fear and it feels real. But <laughs> the night before, so I had gotten in the evening before and I had booked this hotel on, I think through Expedia and it looked fine online. And I got there and it was a total dump. I mean, like not just a dump, but it was scary, like a scary place. And so I sat in my room and I was like in tears. I called my husband. I was like, I just want to come home. And thankfully he, cause I, I was seriously thinking about coming home and he was like, you know, just like, we'll find you another place to stay, but you're not coming home. You want to go there. You want to be there. So I had that support to just like push through, but it felt like it was one thing after another, like after the hotel, something else happened. I realized I had forgotten like my deodorant or, my hairspray yeah, yeah. or something and like, okay, I just like everything looked like it was stacking up against me. Mm -hmm. And then in retrospect, I think it was just like almost like a test. I don't want to say a test, but like if I would have just listened to those fears and gone home, I never would have met the people I met and learned the things I learned. And that conference scaled my business so much in such huge ways. So I guess my story is just you might be met with fears and things that happen to you that seem like you just want to throw your hands up and leave and not do it. But push through those because I promise you there is goodness waiting for you in those conferences because they are gold. They're super valuable. Yes, for sure. I totally agree with that. Wrapping up here. So I just want to say thank you for, first of all, you're the one that recommended this topic, which I think is amazing. So thank you for recommending oh, it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's just something that you kind of assume that everybody knows, but they don't. 
Thanks for being here. Super valuable stuff. And I will put a list of favorite resources relating to everything we talked about today on on Taryn's show notes page. And you can find those at eatblogtalk.com forward slash Taryn Soli. Do you want to spell your name for everybody? Oh, sure. It's T-A-R-Y-N-S as in Sam, O-L-I-E. Perfect. Tell my listeners the best place to find you online. Um, So you can find me on my website, uh, hotpankitchen.com, and then on um, both Instagram and Facebook as hotpankitchen.com. And I'm also on Pinterest as hotpankitchen. And if you're at EFC, find Taryn. She's amazing. Yes. All right. Well, thanks again, Taryn. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you next time. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.